I'm in the process of writing a book that's called What the Uncommon Have in Common. Because there's a whole bunch of characteristics and traits that all successful people, all high performers have. And I think that's what I've taken the most out of it is these people are who they are. They're confident in their own skin, whether you like them or not. And, and that was my biggest takeaway. People ask all the time, what was the thing that you learned from the Gary Vee episode or the, or the biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is the guy that we see on social media is exactly who he is in person when the cameras aren't rolling. He owns it. He lives it. He's all about it. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Phil Treadwell, the man who has a mortgage marketing experts podcast for five years, has got the N1 Academy, speaking all across the country, helping a lot of people grow their businesses and do amazing things. Phil, thank you so much for gracing us with your time today. I'm really excited because you're in the mortgage world, you're in the podcast world, you're in all these different things that I have been in as well. So I think we have so much to talk about today. So take us into it. Like, what was your, um, like, if you had to pick all the things, like, what have you had the most fun doing so far in your career? Man, that's a great question. Great intro. I appreciate that. For me, real estate, mortgage, a lot of business in general is around the people. That's what I love doing more than anything. I love learning new things. I love meeting new people. I love just exploring and trying all kinds of different things. My wife and I love to travel. I travel a lot professionally. That's what really turns me on. That's what really gets me excited. And I think our industry creates a platform for not only the ability to learn new things while also helping people, but just the ability of the podcast and, and coaching a lot of the things I've done in my career uh, to meet new people, learn new things, try new stuff. And, and like I said, add value along the way. So with these different uh, entities and things that you're doing, like how for you do you decide when you need to move into a new direction, when you need to add versus like getting laser focused? Because obviously you've had some real success. So you hear some people saying laser focus is the only way to go. Other people are like, just do what you love, do a lot of things. What's your take on that? Again, great question. I have a philosophy of ready, fire, aim. Typically, there's an opportunity that comes along and you've got to go all in on that thing. That may not be your end thing. I've done a lot of different things in my career, but I've stayed within the mortgage industry this summer's 19 years. I started out with a company for a few years, ended up opening up my own company right before the financial crisis. I sold that to the largest lender in the country at the time, which is a glorified way of saying they wrote a big enough check for me to close down and go to work for them. And yeah. uh, you know, had a lot of opportunities to do different things. And I think that that's where, where people overthink they, they try to say, okay, I need to stick with this one thing. I need to go really deep and really just stick this out as opposed to really taking a step back and saying, is this incrementally helping me get where I want to go? Everybody has to know what their North Star is. What's my, my BHAG, my big, hairy, audacious goal? What is it I'm trying to accomplish in my life, in my business, where I want to be? And then you just need to reverse engineer that into annual goals, you know, quarterly KPIs and all of our coaching clients, we talk about our daily habits and our non-negotiables. Those things can change and, and the way that we apply those things can change. So for me, the, the podcast five years ago, I didn't know how to do a podcast. I had bought a microphone about six months before. So late 2017, I had the original blue Yeti, the, the old silver USB mic. And I had been on my back for about a week with pneumonia 
and when you're you're kind of have an entrepreneurial spirit when you have downtime and you can't do anything for a while your mind just gets to running well it was the sunday after i'd been down for about a week was going back to work on monday and i said you know what i'm gonna do a podcast and i sent uh, a few DMs, a few emails, and and the contact us to the websites that most of the time just gets lost somewhere. And I invited five or six of the biggest personalities I knew in my industry and invited them to be on this podcast that really didn't exist yet. And two or three of them said immediately, yes, that they would do it on that following Monday. I had scheduled recordings for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So on Tuesday, I had to figure out how in the world to even do a podcast. And a lot of the things in, in business for me have been that way of this seems like this is the right direction. This seems like an opportunity. And that's really how it's, it's happened. And so I think the spirit of, of the question you're asking is how to, how to know there's a little bit of gut instinct and there's a little bit of you can't get better at something that you've not done. And so if you think something is going to help you get to where you want to go, if you think that achieving your goal is going to require that you go in a little bit different direction, you need to just do that thing. What's the worst that could happen? You absolutely fall in your face and fail. But in my world, there's never a situation where doing nothing is better than doing something, even if you fail. Because if you do something and it's a win, great, you've made progress. If you do something and it's a loss, that's okay because you still have now learned something that's going to help you get where you want to go. So at the end of the day, it's still a win. But we have this fear of failure. We have this fear of people seeing us fail. And, and that comes from academia, right? Like you can't fail every test, fail every quiz. In ac academia's world, you're still a quote unquote failure. It's not, you know, successes over here, failures over here, and you got to decide which way to go. It's actually stacked. You have to go through failures to get to success. And every successful person, every high performing person that I've ever interviewed, collaborated with, been mentored by, understands that you have to continue to try new things. You have to fail because it's about learning and applying that to your craft and continue to get better. 100%. And so like one of the things that you mentioned that just resonates so deeply with me is you were able to get some big personalities right away without even having a podcast, right? Like I, I kind of view this podcast as a cheat code to mentorship, to community, to all kinds of amazing good things. Like, do you see it that way too? I mean, like you didn't probably know these guys that well and all of a sudden you have the biggest names on your podcast. Say that again, you broke up uh, there for just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like I've kind of come to, to view the podcast as a cheat code, right? The cheat yeah. code to mentorship, the cheat yes. code to community, the yes. cheat code to all these great things. I mean, just listening to your story, I mean, you had five of the biggest names. I don't know what your relationship was like before that, but sounds like not that solid if you're going through their contact form. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're in relationship with five of the biggest people in your space like that. Yeah. So it, honestly, I kind of hacked that a little bit. I, I started st telling this story recently. I don't think I'd really shared it much. When I reached out to these people, I said, hey, I'm starting a podcast for the industry. It's called Mortgage Marketing Expert. We're going to bring on experts in the industry. Here are four or five other people that I would like to be my first guests. So I took these huge five or six names and I would send it to one. And I was essentially name dropping other big people in the personality that I wanted to be on before they even committed to being on yet. And so that's how I kind of got those first few. But I think at the end of the day, when you're asking someone for something like that, you've also got to add value. Podcasting was kind of a new medium within the industry. It was giving them a new outlet to be able to share their message, to be able to reach new people. As we started creating an audience, it was about how do we expose our audience, our listeners to what this person is doing, what their business is, you know, all those types of things. And so it is a cheat code because I realized very quickly 
even if no one listened to this podcast, I had 30, 45 minutes to ask them any question that I wanted and to learn. And these were people that charged thousands of dollars a month for coaching or, or for their time or their platforms or whatever. And I was getting to ask them questions that I wanted to know the answer to. And I think if you really think about it from a podcasting perspective or, or really any kind of long form content perspective, if you're offering value to that person in, in terms of exposure, I can't just pick up and call a really big personality, uh, a really big influence or someone that's a titan of business and say, hey, can I ask you questions for 30 or 45 minutes? They're probably not going to do that. But if you have a podcast, you have an audience, you have something that you can provide them. You're exactly right. It's a cheat code and you're still able to learn the things and ask the questions that you want. So let's see how this unfolds. And I know like early on, I mean, you were early in the podcasting game and, and probably early in your own strategy at that time, but you get these guys on, like what happened from there? Like, was it like you crushed it? Was there some <laughs> mistakes? Like how were you able to leverage those initial relationships? Now that's a great question. So a lot of these people, I either had a, a brief acquaintance relationship, which is to say my boss may have known who they were or you know, I might have met them in passing at a conference, but I didn't have relationships directly with these people. But the cool part about it was later on over the years, these have become some of my closest friends and people that I've collaborated with and been mentors and even, even coaches to a certain extent. And the cool thing about a podcast is you have some interaction in setting up the podcast and, and getting them on. You get, you know, that time in the actual recording, but then you have the follow-up of here's the episode that's being released. Here's some content that we created for you. And the next time I would see them in an event, I would make sure and go up and have that in-person connection as well. So all of a sudden there's these three or four or five touches where someone who was kind of a stranger and then turned into acquaintance was now someone that you had a relationship with. And that's been true for huge personalities that, that we were able to leverage. Like we've had Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. I got to go to VaynerMedia and have, have Gary on the podcast, you know, Brad Lee, uh, Ryan Serhant with Million Dollar Listing and, and Steve Sims and, you know, uh, Evan Carmichael. He's one of the you know biggest YouTubers out there. We've had a lot of these personalities on and now there's that acquaintance type relationship and you get to learn from them in a different way. But no, if I, I keep one of the very first episodes I ever recorded or the very first episode. It's actually episode two because the first one was uh, the guest I had been on this local podcast. It was just telling about me at the time. But the first podcast episode that I recorded, I had, you know, my list of questions that I was going to ask. And I asked a question. It was Barry Habib, who is, is a huge personality in the industry and uh, done a lot of entrepreneurship things outside of even the industry, uh, had a regular spot on CNBC and, and, and Fox Business. Like he, he'd been around the media world. So I would ask a question. He'd give this incredible answer. And at the end, I said, fantastic. And then I asked mm -hmm. another question. He would give me two or three minutes of gold. And I said, fantastic. And I didn't even know that I used that as a segue, but I think people forget. Sometimes you need to record yourself and listen to how you interact. You know, we want to be elite professionals in whatever our industry is. And I use metaphors with sports a lot. Elite professionals in, in you know, sports and athletics, they train over and over and over before they get into the game or the race or whatever it is. In that first episode, Barry taught me over five years ago that a boxer trains 5,000 minutes for every one minute in the ring, right? How often are we practicing our scripts? How often are we recording things that we say? So for me, a podcast was a huge opportunity. I started listening 
to the questions I was asking. I started listening to my tone of voice. I thought I was super excited about something. I thought I had some enthusiasm and I was talking really monotone and I had weird segues of fantastic that I didn't even know that I used. So I fumbled it a lot. I wasn't a natural host. I still don't think I'm a great host per se, but I like to have conversations with people. I'm passionate about that. And typically for me, a podcast recording, a podcast interview is really all about getting someone that you want to have a conversation with, doing a little bit of pitch and catch, finding out some things that are going to be valuable to the audience, and then just sharing that with the world. This makes me chuckle. So Tim, my business partner and, and podcast host, like we were in Florida doing some dissection. You know, they say the camera adds 10 pounds. I think it also cuts 50% of your energy out and all right. kinds of other things. And we, I don't know how many episodes we had done when we started watching ourselves and we're like, oh gosh, the exact thing you're talking about, like the affirming everything they say in very similar ways. And we're like, this sounds terrible. Like, yeah. It feels so right in the moment. You're like, that's awesome. And then you listen to it and you're like, that's not that's a great terrible. segue at all. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. So 5,000 minutes for every minute in the ring in business, in mortgage, real estate, these types of businesses where people are on the phones or prospecting, what do you think is the right ratio between practice and, and game time, so to speak? I think it's going to be a little bit different for everyone. Uh, I just did a webinar for a large group of, of mortgage professionals yesterday on lead generation, lead conversion, which I think is a super cliche topic. And, and I take a little bit different spin on it. And I really talk about marketing is about getting someone's attention and sales is what makes them a customer. And marketing is your lead generation and your sales is your lead conversion. But for you to market and to get someone's attention, it typically isn't about business. It's not about what you're selling. It's about who you are, not just what you do. And we walk with all of our coaching clients and as we walk through this webinar, the first thing you have to understand is your why. Why you do what you do. Why, what, what about what you do gets you excited, gets you passionate? Why do you need what you do as a person? You know, Ed Milet says that in sales, we need to stop trying to get people to believe what we're saying and start getting people to believe and realize we believe what we're saying. And so that starts with your why that then turns into a unique value offer and in a unique value offer, it's not something that you offer that no one else can do. It's how do you do what you do in a unique way because of that frame of your why from there, you have to have scripts. And this is where I'm, I'm really kind of answer the spirit of your question is you need to have what I call a grandma statement and your grandma statements kind of a one line mission statement about what you do. That's so simple. Even your grandma understands it. Right. So that can be, I have a mortgage practice that helps people build real estate wealth. You know, it, it can be whatever that is. Then you need to have that unique value offer in a few sentences. When people ask questions, you need to have the phone calls, uh, the, the scripts, your text messages. And so the preparation comes in is I used to think scripting was a, a dirty word. I didn't want to do a script. That was like super not personal. I'm this great conversationalist. And what I realized through a mentor is I was learning about speaking on stage and, and telling stories. He said, man, you don't have to memorize your memories. You can just recall it. Well, what should you have to do with scripts? If you want to be a great conversationalist, a script is an opportunity for you to be deliberate and intentional with the things that you want to say 
And then when you say it over and over and you practice it, when you say it out loud in the car, if God forbid you want to role play with somebody in your office and you commit it to memory. So as we're just having social conversations with people and that opportunity comes up, you can recall that quote script and it comes out in a natural way. That's going to be different for everyone. For me, if I write something down and I say it, you know, 15 or 20 times out loud, I can now say it in a more natural way, especially if I practice it pretty quickly. Other people, that's going to take a little more time. So I don't know the right ratio per se, but again, if I was a sprinter, I'm going to uh, jog a little bit, warm up my body. I'm going to do some stretching and then I'm going to do some sprinting even before I go sprint in a race. Okay, well, let's use that for business. If you're getting ready to make a phone call to a referral partner or to a client, okay, did, did you start out by having some normal conversations with people? Did you then put some good things in your mind, you know, put you in a good positive growth mindset? And then maybe you actually practice the conversation before you had it. And I say this sometimes and people think I'm crazy. Like, what are you talking about? I know how to talk to clients on the phone. I'm sure you do. But could your effectiveness, could your efficiency, could your conversion rate get higher if you performed the way other elite professionals perform? And that's going to take some time. That's going to take a lot more than most people are willing to give. And that's the difference between really high performing professionals and ones that just make some money and, and are comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that either if that's what you want. When you look at comedians... Comedians are kind of the professionals in the speaking world and the yeah. amount of reps they put in, in practice at home. And then the amount of, you know, late night clubs and people, you know, all those little small gigs that they do to perfect. And it's crazy. Like just slight tonality differences, make a joke hilarious or it bombs. And like, you could be in a different altered state that night. Cause you're a little bit tired from traveling or whatever. And it's just, it's crazy. I mean, same thing it with is. salespeople, like um, I love studying the great comedians. Like where, where do you typically go for your inspiration? So that's a great question. And it's, it's interesting. The same mentor guy named Renee Rodriguez, who has Amplify, uh, highly recommend everyone follow him. He, he's become one of my closest friends and mentors. He's the one who said, you don't have to memorize your memories. And he teaches influence and in speaking. Whenever I started doing a lot of speaking on stage and professional speaking for companies and in conferences, he said, you need to be just like a comedian. Anytime someone will put an open mic in front of you, you need to go do that. So I love that you use that analogy because that's exactly what he said. You need to go practice. So whenever the big performance comes along or the big opportunity comes along, you know what material is going to land. You know that tonality. You know how your stories are going to open up people's minds and hearts so that that message can go in there. My inspiration comes from other people who have done what I'm wanting to do. I, I, the way I believe, uh, you know, everyone has the same opportunity. We all put our pants on the same way. It's about, are you willing to go learn? Are you willing to grow? And then are you willing to put in the reps? A lot of people want to make plans. They want to go get inspired and, you know, they want to put these cool sayings on the wall and, and all these different things. But when it comes ta time to putting in the work, doing the reps and taking action, man, all of a sudden we've got, you know, call reluctance or, or we, we hesitate. And that's why I have that philosophy of ready, fire, aim for my personality. I have to just kind of jump in that freezing cold pool because I think about it. I'm not going to do it. If I ever bungee jump or ever, ever skydive, I'm not going to be able to like, think about it. I'll overthink it. And I may talk myself out of it. I just got to take the leap and jump. And that's what most people need to do is they need to see, Hmm, 
that looks like a cool opportunity. Let's just go do it. And then we can think about how to improve it later because now the fear is gone. We've already done it. We probably failed. The, the fear of failure is over because it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. We, we just, we just got to get through that. So that's where my inspiration comes from is seeing that other people have done this, learning from them, and then taking those principles and applying it to, to what I do and, and what I'm trying to accomplish. And this is similar to the five-second rule, Mel Robbins, where it's like you're just giving yourself either a countdown or some form of like, I'm not going to think about this because if I think about it, it's not going to happen. It's going to go wrong. Take me through what is like one of the hardest either stories or things that you, like it took, it was hard for you to be able to deliver that thing. And, and then how'd you overcome that? That's a, it's a good question. I don't know when it comes to, to the types of things we're talking about, whether it's speaking in front of people or picking up the phone and making a phone call or, or things like that. I don't know that I've ever had a challenge doing that. When I first got in the business, we didn't have social media. We didn't really even make phone calls. I literally walked through, and I guess a lot of times real estate, they call them pop buys, but I called it cold calling. I was walking through real estate offices, handling, handing out these photocopied black and white flyers. And I literally took, I map quested, and that shows you how long ago this was, from <laughs> my, my apartment <laughs> to all these offices. I'd go home and eat like ramen or a peanut butter and jelly at lunch. And I'd go to the same offices in the afternoon. And I remember that this uh, front desk lady, she said, aren't you afraid that if you keep coming every morning and afternoon that they're not going to want to work with you because they don't think you're doing any business? And I just thought about it for a second. I said, listen, if the same realtors here every morning and afternoon, they're probably not doing any business either. And I just kept handing out my black and white flyers. And the reason I'm, I'm choosing this kind of particular story at the beginning of my career is I walked around eight, nine hours a day, handing out flyers, having some pleasantries. And I did that for two and a half weeks every day, all day before I had any type of real conversation with a realtor to potentially get some type of a lead. And I think today, especially because we have so many opportunities with marketing technology and social media and, and all these different things that we want to post two or three videos and that are pissed off because the phone doesn't ring. We don't close a deal from it. And I, I challenge a lot of folks because I'm, I'm not super empathetic to that as I'm sure you could probably guess would we do that same thing? Does, does it matter enough for us? So where I personally, a lot of times have to overcome is the staying consistent part. I say all the time and I, I coach and teach success comes from consistent and persistent effort over time where all of us really kind of, uh, there's a fly in the ointment is that time part. It could be six months for some people or six years for another. But I would challenge folks if I said after five years, you're going to have $10 million or the man or woman of your dreams or this ideal business that, that you want. But to get that for sure in five years, you have to do these two or three things every single day for that five years. Would you do it? And everyone's like, of course I would. I'd be like, why not? Well, that's what you're giving up. That's what I'm giving up by not staying consistent and persistent every day. Mm -hmm. But the reason that we don't is belief. And ironically, the only way to create belief is to take action. You can't think yourself way into believing it. You have to go take action and create belief, which ironically creates confidence. People think confidence is a personality trait and confidence is a skill that you learn. It's by taking action and failing and realizing it's not that bad. So for me, 
I have non-negotiables every day that force me to take action in different areas of my life that allows me to stay consistent. It allows me to create confidence that not only am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm moving forward to that North Star and that goal. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And confidence too, like, I mean, you could use, um, Hermosi talks about this, you could use evidence-based confidence. So it's like, like, let's say around your health, like if you had one good day of health, it's like, well, hey, I could do it. I've done it one day. So now I could do it two days. And then you start stacking and so on and so forth. So it's like, can you make one sales call? Oh, I can do that. So if I done one, then I can do two. And then you start stacking. One of the things that I think correlates to what you're saying too, is like, he actually gave a contract to a guy and said, Hey, if you work for me, I think it's like five or 10 years and you do these things, I will write a contract to you that I'll guarantee you'll, you'll have a million dollars. And they signed a physical contract and this guy's obviously well on his way. He's going to get there. Um, like what are some things that you do to build your skill of confidence? Yeah. Great question. Something that I do and what I coach on, because I, again, back to that Ed Milet statement, I believe the things that I say and and my people understand it because I live it. I, most of my coaching program, most of we talk about is because I need these things. I believe it. And the first part is that, is that daily habits. When we talk about daily habits and non-negotiables, they're extremely important, especially in how you start your day. And the reason is because our mind only distinguishes between wins and losses, not how big they are. So like I get up about 4.30 or 5 o'clock every morning. And I do that because I, I'm a night owl. I don't like to get up early. It's not like I'm like this morning person. I'm absolutely not. But I get up early and then I go to the gym. Well, I'm already up early. I don't want to go to the gym. And when I get to the gym, I'm like, well, I'll just walk on the treadmill. And, and, and instead, you know, I have to make myself lift and I'm listening to podcasts. What happens is I get up early. That's a win. Go to the gym. That's a win. Listen to a podcast. That's a win. Come home and... Uh, drink a protein shake instead of eat a bagel. That's a win. And we start stacking these wins. And so that when we go into the first call of the day, even again, if we fall flat on our face, our brain's like, okay, well, that was kind of a loss in that column, but I made my bed when I didn't have to. That's when they wash each other out. And now I still have these wins, which creates momentum. And, And that's the thing is momentum creates motivation. And so what happens is we can trick our minds into not only creating momentum and being more productive, but also being motivated by just taking these little habits that aren't difficult decisions and stacking those wins, because that's what creates confidence in us. 
it's, it's the same concept of, let's say you, you were heating something up in a microwave and it spilled over. Well, you wipe down the little, you know, clear tray that rolls in your microwave and you're like, well, I'll go ahead and wipe, wipe out the microwave while I'm here. And then it's, well, I'm going to wipe off the counters. And next thing you know, you've cleaned the whole kitchen and you're touching up the paint on the walls. Well, why is that? It's because momentum creates motivation. And through that motivation, that creates confidence that we can do more. And it all starts with having these daily habits that we can stack on top of each other. It's the same concept that, that it talks about in the book, Atomic Habits. So you get off to a rocket start in your podcast. You get some great guests. It ends up you know, going into like Gary Vee and all these other amazing guests. If you had to pick between the lessons you've learned from the guests the relationships, the business opportunities that have formed from it. Like, what do you think is the most positive thing you've gotten from the podcast? I don't know that I've ever been asked that question before. I thought you're going in a different direction. So I was, I was I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised there. I think the thing that I've gotten the most out of it in, in the positive way is that these weren't people that had some crazy unique talent or skill that set them so far apart other people that other people couldn't do it too. And I'm not taking away from anything that these people have accomplished, but what they did was decided what they were going to do, took action, stayed consistent, were persistent, meaning whether they won or lost, they continued to stay consistent. They allowed those things to unfold and they understood along the way where they needed to pivot and where they needed to dig deep. It's a duplicatable formula. And I think that that's been the, the coolest thing is regardless of whether it's a, a regional producer that's doing a ton of business but isn't very well known or someone that's known and has hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, that formula is the same. I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book that's called What the Uncommon Have in Common because there's a whole bunch of characteristics and traits that all successful people, all high performers have and I think that's what I've taken the most out of it is these people are who they are. They're confident in their own skin, whether you like them or not. And, and that was my biggest takeaway. People ask all the time, what was the thing that you learned from the Gary Vee episode or the, or the biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is the guy that we see on social media is exactly who he is in person when the cameras aren't rolling. He owns it. He lives it. He's all about it. And it's, it's not some crazy thing that he just had this knack and talent. You know, he attributes his genes and his upbringing. But what I saw is a group of people were coming out of his office as my team was walking in to record and the, you know, uh, assistants and team stood up thinking they were going to get access to him for a minute or two. And like, oh, I just need like 30 seconds. I just need a minute or two. And he stacks every minute of every day to be as productive as possible. And we have people that sit in their offices and scroll through Facebook or they chat with their, you know, coworker or sit at home, you know, rubbing the back of the hair off, you know, their, their head and, and putting that recliner in L for loser. And then they wonder why they're not where they want to be in life. And, and of course I'm, I'm being a little bit, you know, confrontational, but I want to challenge people where you are in life and where you want to be in life that gap is nothing more than a decision that you're going to go do what it takes. Super simple. So I want to unpack a few things. So one of the things I want to unpack with you right now. So you mentioned that like you watch people like Gary Vee and it's like you have, it seems like a reverence for their process. You have a reverence 
for some of the ways they make decisions, but not a reverence for them as like some superhero. One of the reasons I believe I'm in sales and got successful at sales is because the first guy that I met that was killing it, I was like, for some reason, his physical appearance made me think this would be no problem. And so I meet a lot of guys that have that same philosophy. Like I saw people doing it. I'm like, I'm better than them in some way. So it seems like you have some of that too, not a reverence for them as a person, but a reverence for their process. Can you kind of unpack like what, when we see someone successful, what should we hold as like, so we don't dismiss things that are, that are good, but, but not over reverence and like, you know, knock us out of the running. Yeah. That's a great question. More often than not, the things that attract us to really highly successful people, celebrities, uh, high performers is the stuff, right? They have a lifestyle, they have the money, they have, you know, the cars, the watches, uh, these businesses, people that, that, you know, want to be around them and, and know them. And that's what a lot of people desire to have. And they don't understand that that's a byproduct and really doesn't mean that much to those people. That's just a byproduct of what they actually were trying to pursue. And so what people need to pay attention to is when you strip some of that stuff away, what is underneath there that you can learn from? I had a mentor that said, this is a buffet. Take what you can use and leave the rest. And we need to stop pursuing a destination of a position, an amount of money, a certain number of doors that we have, you know, whatever this metric is, we need to stop trying to just shoot for that and say, that's what I'm going toward. But I love the process of becoming through that. One of my favorite quotes says the highest reward for man's dedication to the pursuit of excellence is not what he or she gets from it but who they become through it. And I think that that's what we need to look at is what is it about these people that got them to where they were? Not how do I get what they have? There's a mindset piece. There's a set of habits. There's a thing that it maybe even be a tactical hack that they saw an opportunity and they leaned in on that. But even there was probably 50 other people that saw that same tactical angle or tactical hack. Why did that person rise above when other people didn't. And a lot of times it goes back to these core things of they had habits, they had non-negotiables, they had principles, they had a way of thinking that was applied. And so I truly believe that all success, and that's why where a lot of this book is coming down to, all success comes down to a set of success principles, a set of habits, a set of way of thinking. Now, they're going to be applied to people in different ways, but they're all the same. Once you have these, you have success in life. And I'm not talking just monetarily in your physical health and your relationships and your family, like true all encompassing. And what we need to be looking at in these people isn't the cars or the watches or the destinations or how beautiful they look physically. It's what did they understand and figure out that yielded those things? They have the fruit on the tree. Got it. But I'm not trying to get the fruit. I want to understand who they are and how they became that. And I think that's really what sets a lot of, you know, long-term successful people versus some of the flash in the pans or the, the one night one or the one hit wonders. How much do you think it's falling in love with what you do? And how much is it that people are falling in love with what they're becoming? Cause I mean, you see people get crazy addicted to working out crazy addicted to like 
you know, I, I think about the ultra long distance runners where it's like they're running hundreds of miles and I'm like, goodness gracious, like what would it take to fall in love with running a hundred miles? Do you think it's, it's the feeling they get while doing it? Do you think it's the feeling they get of who they are afterwards? I think it all comes down to why. And I, Simon Sinek wrote the book, Start With Why. I think that's framed a little bit differently. It's very much framed for a corporate setting. In our lives, our why typically comes from our past. Something that happened to us, positive, negative, an experience we had that really drives who we've become and why we do what we do. So when you talk about those types of activities specifically, you either need to love and be passionate about that activity or you need to have a why you do what you do that's so big, you're willing to push through and do it even when you don't like it. It's the same thing like creating content. I tell people whether it's written content, video content, audio content, whatever, you need to pick a form of content that you like doing so that you don't have to every single day wake up like, oh, I hate doing this, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grind it out. So liking what you do is an important part of this, but I think a bigger part is do you have a why, a goal, what it is you're wanting to do that's big enough, that matters enough to you that you're willing to run through whatever brick wall you need to. I don't love video if I'm, if I'm being, I started a podcast to stay behind the microphone. We didn't do much, if any video whatsoever. I record videos, multiple videos every single day. I don't like video, but why I do what I do and where I'm going is so big enough, I'm willing to go do those things. I don't love just randomly texting people or doing cold calling, like a lot of stuff that we do in sales. I don't love doing that. I'm not passionate about it, but I'm passionate about the reason behind it. Now, ultra, ultra marathon runners, I think a lot of them are just crazy and they just love doing that thing. That's not my thing <laughs> per se, but I think most of the time you need to like what you're doing. You don't have to love it or be super passionate, but you do have to be passionate about it because of the reason behind it. Yeah. And I look at guys like Mr. Beast, you know, who the, I mean, like he fell in love with the video yeah. process. He fell in love with that. And then as a result, it's like, people are like, well, why aren't you going to sell for a billion dollars? He's like, look, like you guys don't get it. You know, I fell in love with videos. That's what I want to do with my life. So it gets, it gets pretty wild when, when you can mash your passion with consistency and discipline and non, non-negotiables. And, um, what do you think right now in our culture because you're doing a lot of coaching with the M1. Um, what do you think the biggest problem is for most people? Is it, that, is it just not having non-negotiables? Is it not having the discipline? Most of it is not taking action. I think if most people's problem in any business, in any area of life, they're just not taking action. We want to have this perfect plan. We want to have the perfect environment. You know, We'll start Monday, those types of things. And it comes down to what I said a second ago, you can't get better at, you can't improve something that you've never done or that you're not doing. You have to actually be doing that thing to get better at it, to make progress. Now, when it comes to business from a coaching perspective, M1 and M1 Academy is for mindset first. It's not mindset's the only thing, but I believe mindset's the most important thing because it controls our attitude and our actions because those are the only two things we actually have control over. Everything else is really out of our hands. So 70 to 80% of what we do in coaching is still around the tactical things and the how-to, but only from a position of that first 20 or 30% that has to do with our mindset and how we do it. Most professionals in any business know what to do, 
They're just not doing it for some reason. And that's typically a mindset thing. So most of the time people aren't getting success because they're not taking action. But again, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here. Why they're not taking action is really what I do. I step in and help them identify their why, their North Star, create some personal reasons behind it. And then we break those down into bite-sized steps so that every day they have their calendar, their daily habits and non-negotiables, and they know they're moving towards their goal and they no longer have to be reactive. We can just go out and stay consistent, persistent, and the results come. So I kind of want to walk you through a little bit of some of my thoughts and kind of get your take on it. So sure. I, like you hear statements, like people are like, Hey, amateurs do what they love. Professionals do what it takes, like those types of statements. And then I look at like my own life. Like there's certain things where I'm constantly facing a brick wall of resilience inside of my body. Like I know I need to do this. My mission's clear. And yet I'm, I'm like, I still feel like I'm pushing hundreds of pounds to do that activity. And then there's things like podcasting where like today we'll do eight podcasts. And it's like, I could do eight podcasts probably five days a week, probably for the next 20 years based on like how much passion I've been doing it for a year. And so it's like, how much of it's like, is consistency, like, could it be a function of alignment, function of passion? Like, it, that's kind of what I've been thinking through is like, is discipline really a thing or is it like a combination of alignment? Like, how, how on a mindset front, like, how do we think about that? Yeah. This is a topic that I think about personally a lot and and have to kind of sort through for people. So the first part of it is if someone is so passionate about what they're doing and the other things are, are kind of a, a pull, not a push uh, or push, not pull, whatever way you want to look at it, then for example, if you did eight podcasts a day and you're super passionate about that, you could do that five days a week and you see an avenue that that can help you get where you want to go, then I, I say eliminate a lot of that other stuff. Now, there's necessary evils, but you know I'll go back to Gary Vee. He talks about he wasn't good in school, not because he wasn't smart, but because he just hated the school environment. He hated academia, and I, I relate to that. Uh, I got good grades in school because my mom was a teacher. My dad was a builder. He was an entrepreneur. My mom was a teacher, and so I'm kind of this entrepreneurship meets academia but I didn't have a choice of whether I did good in school, but I didn't like it either. I think we need to have a lot of self-awareness. Again, I've had a lot of great mentors. I had another one that said, uh, the 11th commandment is thou shall not fooleth thyself. We need to not lie to ourselves, <laughs> right? We right. need to have some self-awareness here and understand, do I like this because I like doing it? Or do I like this because it, it fulfills something in me that I can then in turn use to get my business where I want to go? Or am I just using an excuse because the hard stuff, I just don't want to do it. I love podcasting. I could do podcasts and webinars and stuff like this all the time too. But the reality is I don't want to do the work after the fact to repurpose all the content it would take to move my business in the direction that it needs to go, right? But there's a hack for that. I could hire other people. I do have other people. Like there's there's ways to do it. So the the consistency part is is something I do want to speak to. My uh, my coach Wes Watson. Um, he's health and wellness coach. He coaches coaches uh, as a national prison guy on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So Wes Watson yeah. has has been my coach uh, for about six months, and uh, hired him specifically. He was outside of the industry uh, because he was very different than I was. And one of the pieces of content, he had two pieces of content that really resonated with me because uh, at face value, I wasn't sure if I liked the guy or not. And, and then again, 
you, you take all of the, the facade away and you go underneath to the core of who he is, why he does what he does and what drives him. And I was like, holy cow, like this is, this is the dude. And one of the pieces of content that he had, it was on Bradley's podcast. And he said, there's nothing more common, nothing more common than a consistent man who is unsuccessful. So when I say success is about consistent and persistent effort over time, how does that pair with there's nothing more common than a consistent person who is unsuccessful? And I think the distant, the difference in there is, are you doing it with deliberate and intentional effort toward where it is you're wanting to go? Are these activities actually moving the needle or are you being consistent because you're being busy and not productive? Are you being consistent because you're not putting yourself out of your comfort zone? Are you being consistent because you don't actually want to do the work, right? I wake up every day. I go to the same job. I trade hours for dollars. I go home. Again, there's people that want those types of lives. The audience that's listening here are people that are wanting to build something of significance and they want to have fulfillment in their life at the same time. All of these things intersect. What are you doing that creates fulfillment. Tony Robbins says success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. How do we create fulfillment? How do we solve enough other people's problems that we can monetize that and then put all these things together where, okay, what are the bite-sized pieces on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? And it really all goes down to why you do what you do, where you're going, and then putting some of these other pieces in place and, and just working your plan. But action is at the core of all this. And finding the combination between what you love and what's going to move the needle. 100%. 100%. What is your vision for your life and business the next 12 to 18 months? So we're going to continue to build out our coaching program. Right now we have a one-on-one -on -one coaching program and a group coaching program. And the group coaching program and an online community and content library and things, that's what we're working towards and scaling uh, currently. We'll still do some one-on-one -on -one coaching, but we've got some other people that are going to come in that are even better qualified to do some of this stuff th than I am um, and continue to speak on stage. Like my North star uh, transparently is uh, I want to create content, meaning I want to write books. I'm going to do podcasts. I'm going to do videos and I want to speak nationally to groups of people and, and build an online community where we're doing some group coaching. And so we're at the very Genesis of that. There's a lot of things that need to happen. And there's a lot of things that, that need to, uh, unfold as we work our way there. But this has been my North star for a long time. When I was a non-producing regional manager with a few branches in a few States, this is still ultimately what I wanted to do. But again, that's how we unfold. And, and there has been some milestones along, along the way to do it. Incredible. Well, thank you, Phil, so much for sharing about your life and your business. And for those of you out there listening, write down some things you learned. We had dropped some, or Phil dropped some bombs when it comes to mindset strategy, et cetera. So write down something you learned from the day, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. Because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 